Welcome to the Next Level Show, a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life. Hosted by Jonathan Alvarez, Gabriel Contreras, and Mike Nillis. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Next Level Show. Thank you guys so much for listening up to this point. If you guys have, if you're new, welcome. This is the Fitness and Health Podcast where we are extremely handsome and we talk all about things health, fitness, and life. <laughs> I'm just super stoked right now. I got my cup of coffee. I'm feeling good and my shoulders are killing me. How are you guys doing? Good. What, what, what the hell did you do to your shoulders that they're killing you? All right. So I wanted to tell you guys on air instead of just telling you guys before we hopped on. So I did this workout and I want to say, fuck you, Jordan Syed for making me do this. Cause I subscribe to Jordan Syed. He's a, he's actually someone that you'll probably listen to very soon. We've interviewed, he's a great guy, a great personal trainer. I had subscribed to his email list and he put out this shoulder workout. Okay. And I, on his email, he puts like daily workouts and stuff. So I, I looked at the shoulder one and it's something that I usually don't train shoulders like that at home. Anyways, it's just something I don't do at the gym. I love training shoulders, but it's never, so I haven't done like any type of circuit style stuff for my shoulders in a very long time. So what I did was part of it was I just got, I only have eight pound dumbbells, mind you. So this is like, I don't have much weight to play with. And it was a circuit of front raises, side raises, and rear delt raises. And just, I mean, that's all I did. Basically, I grabbed the dumbbells and I started off with 20 reps front, 20 reps side, 20 reps rear flies. All right. So I went straight back into it. I did 15 front, 15 side, 15 back. I went down to 12 straight into it without really resting, maybe like putting them down for like 10 seconds, taking a quick breath, you know, up, 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 like 10, uh, up down to all the way to about tw 10 reps. And I did that from 10, I'm sorry, 20, 15, 12, and 10. And by the time I got to that last, <laughs> last round, my shoulders were so pumped and filled with blood. And I was like, yeah, that was a workout. And today I forgot I did that yesterday. So when I'm like moving out of bed, I'm thinking, did I like tweak my shoulder? Did I do like a wrong movement yesterday? But it was, it's more the muscles. It's nothing like on my joints, but man, I'll tell you what, those eight pounders destroyed me, destroyed how me. So how long did that take you? That took me, dude, literally maybe I want to say like, like less than 10 minutes, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, Less than 10 minutes of intensity because, I mean, I wasn't doing it super fast either. It was decently controlled. I wasn't just swinging weight around, like flapping my wings. But it was, it was a killer. So if you guys want to, good luck. Try it. Listeners, if you guys want to try it, just grab, you know, some – it doesn't have to be much. You can have five-pounders. It can have lightweight. You can use a gallon jug that's about eight or nine pounds, depending on there what you, you fill go. it with. And then, and then just, just knock out a circuit. Just start off with – a higher amount of reps, if, depending on your strength level, it can be 20 to 15, 12, and 10. It can be different. It can even go down to about eight reps per side. It's just do a little bit of a circuit about just uh, work your way all the way down to that last round. And it's crazy. Like I haven't done that in a long time. So I know I felt a lot. I got a lot out of it and it was fun. Thank you, Jordan. Not really. <laughs> But thank you. Jordan is actually going to be on. A, he's going to be an episode in a couple of weeks for you guys. We got to talk to him. So I know that I'll be talking to him about it. I'm going to actually send him an email and be like, I never 
ever send me something like this ever again. That, that's <laughs> funny. You know, it, it just reminded me of you talking about like having this big shoulder pump. I think the biggest shoulder pump that I've ever had was not even in a gym or lifting any weights whatsoever. It was at, um, we went to, uh, I went to Legoland because uh, it was my daughter's, um, she was in Girl Scouts and I think she sold uh, X amount and they got like, oh, they, they got a Girl Scout trip to, at the end of the year. So we went there and then they have this like uh, interactive ride where you actually participate in stuff. It's kind of like a race, like essentially it, it is a race. So it's three, um, it's like a fire truck. You get inside, um, four, four people at a time and there's like a handle in between. So I don't know if I'm probably gonna describe it all kind of like crazy, but it's something you gotta pump in order to make the car move. You know, so one, one side goes up, the other side goes down and then back and forth, back and forth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did that to go all the way. You got to move the cart all the way till the end to where the fire is. Then you get there. Then I have to like pump the same kind of way in order to, um, to, to get water to start flowing. Okay. And then my daughters would hold the hose and then they have to p- point it at the, at the, at the alleged fire, you know, the fake fire to put it out. Dude, I was there pumping for like forever. After I finished my shoulders felt like I was going to just, they were going to explode. I caught a glimpse in, in like in a reflection and I was just like, holy hell. I'm looking uh, bigger than I ever thought. And inside the gym or outside the gym. So that was, uh, it just reminded me of that. That's sick, dude. No, I mean, it's crazy. It doesn't take much um, with your shoulders, unless you're doing heavy pressing movements, like where you're doing a heavy overhead press or like a dumbbell press above your head. Usually for anything that's with, that's a side, a front raise, a side raise, or like, you know, a rear uh, lateral, it's, you don't need much weight. I always tell a lot. I, I always have this discussion with clients because sometimes they're not making this amazing progress. Let's say with the weight progressing with like side lateral raises. And I tell them, don't expect to, this is not the exercise or this is not, this is not going to be one of the exercises that you're going to make, you know, 20 pound increase in weight from like one day to another. Even if you've been working out for a very long time and you are strong and you are advanced, I always tell them that these are like the smaller muscles. They're, it's, it's, a, it's detail. This is the detail. This is the feel. This is chasing the, the sensation of just p- pumping up the muscle. Because, yeah, you can probably start swinging some 30 to 35-pound dumbbells doing side lateral raises. But we all have seen that person in the gym that looks like they're just shrugging some weight up with momentum and they're just not even controlling it at all. So I tell them, like, lighten up the load. I, I remember a client that I got. I literally impressed him with five pound dumbbells and, you did that to uh, me i did that to mike as well you did that um, to me but i didn't sell you on that <laughs> i didn't use that one to sell no. you that was um that i was, uh, i have shamelessly stolen that and i have gotten two clients that i can think of that way if a guy comes in bragging about deadlifting 365 i'm gonna throw him through that little 10 pound dumbbell shoulder workout and i guarantee he will sign up <laughs> I guarantee it's, it. quite, it's very humbling for the person and it is. i literally just had this person grab five pound dumbbells and he was he was actually really in shape he was not like a beginner by any means and i know he's probably listening um oh this is ryan part. isn't it yeah it's ryan yeah. um and i know he doesn't care if i use his name so like we i had him and he tells the story every time he reminds me from time to time and I literally had them lift up the shoulder raise. So if you've ever done a shoulder raise, you grab dumbbells by your sides, you lift them straight up, you know, just either side of you. 
And the typical, the more common thing is that you're kind of thinking that you're lifting more of your hands. But what I told this person was to hold it up to the about shoulder, uh, shoulder le uh, level. You don't let your hand pass your shoulders. And then at the top, all you do is tilt your hands forward as if you're pouring a gallon of milk. And what that happened, what happens is that you start to feel the side of your shoulder tremendously just start firing and then just control it on the way down. Don't go all the way down. Don't let the weight rest completely at a dead, you know, 90 degree, you know, uh, perpendicular with the floor. You want to actually have us, you know, be about 45 degree elevated at all times. What that, what that does is that you consistently put tension on the muscle. And that's actually what I was doing yesterday, Mike, with that. I was at letting the side laterals rest all the way. And man, I'll tell you what the pump, the amount of work and intensity you can bring to just that light weight without demolishing your joints is awesome. So with shoulder training, I always think that it's super important just to go lighter, feel the muscle, take your time. The most I ever play with max, and that's if I'm going quote unquote heavy, is max 20 pounds. And that's if I'm going for 10 reps. But the same principle applies. I won't touch 20 pounds. I'll usually float between 15 to 10 around there on a consistent basis. And you get, and I, my shoulders have never developed more than I, when I was working with lighter weight. But that's my shoulder story. That's why I'm <laughs> super sore. I'm actually excited because it felt, it feels great to have that, that stimulus. Um, I got to recover though. I'm going to get that protein. Yeah, that's, I, I use the same thing. I don't use, go all that heavy. And even with, um, when I'm training a client and I have them do anything to the shoulder, uh, like isolation, like either front side or rear, rear delt, I, um, I tell them, I was like, hey, just for reference, this is what I use. I use anywhere from, let's just say 10 or something for the rear delt or 20 or 25 for, for side or front. So it's, uh, yeah, it, you know, it doesn't need much to, to, to really get it. I like to use the metric of, uh, or just explaining it this way to my clients, where I, I either call this an ego lift or a non-ego lift. So if we're, you know, going for heavy deadlifts, we're lifting with our ego. If we're, we're going for very light uh, shoulder pump lateral raises, I say we're not lifting with our ego. You know, if, it, if, if, if you feel like you're going to be embarrassed in the gym using this weight, then it's not an ego lift. <laughs> yep exactly i mean i think that a lot and that's it and that's with a lot of like isolation movements yeah. you know you obviously with your big movements, your squat your your bench your deadlifts the goal is to ultimately progress to heavier weight and it's and it they're exercises that do really good with doing maybe very few repetitions um but when it comes to like bicep curls bicep curls and triceps you can kind of go heavy and like and, and there's some movements that you can go pretty heavy with low reps but for the most part with a lot of people, I love to keep them with moderate weight to lower weight and just really focus on that connection. Because what I noticed in my later on with exercising, yeah, I got my barbell curl really high, but it wasn't the cleanest form. I didn't get the feel as much. Um, and especially if you're someone that's struggling to develop, let's say your arms or your shoulders, go lighter or any, any body part, go lighter, focus really on feeling that muscle work and make it the exercise as challenging as you can, because it's not about making the exercises feel easier. When you're trying to build muscle, it's always about, you know, making that exercise more challenging because yeah, you can use leverage, momentum, you know, gravity, everything in your favor and just move that weight and make it. And it feels like, wow, I'm just knocking these out like super easy. Lighten it up. I even made a post about this. I think you guys saw it about the tempo, the squats. Yep. Yeah. 
So that's something I've been applying a lot because a lot of people right now don't have equipment. They don't, they, or they have very light equipment. And I tell them if you're someone that does like can do easily 50 body weight squats or 50 or over, you know, about 50 pushups without really trying and that you can just knock them out really quickly and that you don't have any extra resistance to add to that, then try slowing things down. This is going to make the intensity of your workout go much higher. So if you're someone listening and you can, and this is you in quarantine mode, you want to just, you don't have any equipment. You want to slow down your exercises. So if you're doing a squat and you just come up and down, it's not even a problem. You do it with great form, slow it down, count to five, about five seconds when you're coming down, hold at the bottom for about two seconds, just really keeping that tension because a lot of people will relax. You want to keep your abs tight, keep everything flexed, and then come up very controlled as well, about two to three seconds on the way up, five seconds on the way down, hold for about two seconds, and then repeat. And what you'll notice is that even this with the, with the squats or with your push-ups, it gets drastically more difficult during that. And it's a great way to manipulate tempo. And this can be applied, this principle can be applied not just with body weight, but also with resistance training with traditional uh, compound lifts and everything, so. Yeah, I like that. Not only for to make it to more challenging, but also it helps for when you um, start adding on your weight and you start doing like the, the example of the squat. Um, something that you kind of like see um, typically is, you know, people just dive too quick into the hole, right? Mm -hmm. And doing the tempo would kind of like help to train them in order to slow down. Now, sure, you don't have to do a count of five or whatever when you're doing a regular squat, but just don't drop down in like half a second because that, that wouldn't be beneficial to uh, for you. And it can kind of like maybe even put you in a, in a crazy predicament at the bottom and, you know, to get up. I want to ask you, Gabe. So for someone, because I know that a lot of people, I see it a lot, but there is a particular person that would benefit from making the exercise feel easier. Who would that person be? To make the exercise easier? Anyone or that one in particular? That type of training. What type of training would you say would be more beneficial to make the exercise feel lighter? Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, pop quiz hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh what do, you, what do you do what do you do um i don't know uh you, you kind of caught me off guard there what, what's that aha yes yeah so what they're going for is more like uh leverages they want to um make things even like for instance a bench right you would, uh, a powerlifter would want a pretty big arch in his back in order to minimize the, t the distance they need to go from their chest all the way to the top so that is that would be the exception as to you would want to make it as easy as possible. And even with the squatting, I mean, you're not coming down when you're lifting the max load. You're not going to be counting a four second negative down and holding in the hole. Your goal is to lift as much weight and make it go and make it feel as light as possible. Um, so that's that's there's a difference. But mm -hmm. for the average person listening, we can agree that most people care about building muscle and and sculpting their body and changing. So the way you do that is by work, making the exercise feel a little bit more challenging. And this is what we were talking about just in general, when we got into this random rant that we got in this morning, but it's just, you know, making the exercise feel more challenging, really slow things down. You can do this in the gym or at home. You can literally just manipulate everything. You can make a 10 pound dumbbell feel like 30 pounds. If you really slow things down, really let the muscle work. So don't be discouraged. If you're someone that doesn't have a home gym, that's okay. You can still, 
increase the intensity and there's many ways of manipulating it. That's just one variable that's very applicable and easy to do. Mike? I've actually, I've actually done something kind of more uh, lifestyle oriented with some of my older clients who have a issue getting up and down from like a chair. Um, wherein anytime you sit down, you sit down slow. And anytime that you stand up from sitting down, you stand up slow. Um, and that's more for, you know, the, the older side, but I mean, younger people can incorporate this as well. And I mean, after, you know, how often do you sit down and stand up, especially now under quarantine, we're all sitting on our couches. So it's a good way of kind of incorporating a little bit of added difficulty into something that's mundane. Usually I'm just standing up to go get a drink. Um, now I'm standing up at a, you know, a, a pace of five seconds and then sitting back down at a pace of five seconds. It's just a little bit of, yeah, a, you know, a little bit of extra but it's good. To, it's a good thing to train. I mean, it's just, it's, it, people just think that they just think heavy weights is the only way to progress or it's only way it's only, it's only an indicator of progress, which it is an indicator of if you're making progress and you're doing, if you're getting stronger. Um, but in a lot of cases you can, you can still get a different feeling and stimulus to your body and a different signal by just manipulating speed. And that's the most, I think, underrated tool um, in the in the lifting world in general, this doesn't this means body weight. This means in, at the gym because I a lot of at home workouts that I see the happening right now are are just a lot of reps, a lot of cardio based, or just circuit a lot training. of circuits, yeah. which is fine because if you let's say for example me, if I did that, my body would probably respond in a positive because I don't train like that all the time. I usually train in the opposite, very controlled reps. Uh, focusing on tempo focusing on progressive overload and if i go to doing any type of cardio i know my body would respond very very quickly you see a lot um, of actually... burpees right <laughs> fuck burpees <laughs> i know i'm just saying you see that in, in a lot of people oh ability. i thought you said like me to start doing burpees I'm no like, hell no it's <laughs> <laughs> a hard pass oh man i mean i think if you're an easy way to know if your program i saw a post that um you know yeah, I was just about um, to mention that there was another fitness um trainer was saying is that if your if your program revolves around a lot of burpees and it has a lot of burpees in the program then it's a shit program um it doesn't mean that burpees necessarily are bad they are but if your base of your program <laughs> if the base of your program just revolves str strictly on that and that's the main tool like the main structure then yes, you may want to be looking at other programs. So you can make the extra, you don't have to necessarily go for cardio to kill yourself at home to have an effective workout. You can do so many things of get and get so much positive out of it. I just don't see the point of doing a burpee. It's like just difficult for the sake of being difficult. Like it it, it's just, there. there's no purpose. There's no progression. Just do more burpees. That's your progression. It, it just, you, know, you know what the problem I have with it, Mike, is the fact that, most people have issues with basic movements in their mechanics. So yeah. then you're, you're throwing in a burpee that requires a decent amount of coordination. And because you start seeing people just flopping up and down, they look like they're like a fish, just like, yeah. like landing different. They, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they have zero control. Their, their back is arching drastically. And it's just this, and then you're doing it to fatigue on top of that. And usually it's under time and the more obviously we know that even when we get tired, we can start breaking down a little bit in form. And now the person that has not even done it with perfect form to begin with is now tired on top of that. They start, you know, compensating a lot 
and it's it's just not a it's not it's not a good way to to start especially if you're starting or if you haven't mastered certain movements i think burpees done correctly with intention they have a very small place to incorporate very small amount it's definitely not, it's not something that i would play with too 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 much but for some reason it just gained so much popularity in fitness still it's still there it's part of a lot of boot camp classes and and all that yeah the only exception would probably be if you're doing like a, an obstacle course course training right because they are included in there like for instance spartan races i know because i've done them before if you fail an obstacle you got to do x amount of burpees so instead of getting hit with them then and there uh, the day of the race you would want to incorporate them here and there in order to um to to get acclimated to them i literally just lost interest in ever doing an obstacle course race <laughs> i did them it was it was kind of cool it was fun <laughs> i i only did um let me see it so i did a a savage race in connecticut where it was like freezing cold and the first thing was to go into um uh like ice cold water submerge yourself completely which was awesome and I did a couple of Spartan ones. I want to say three or four total. I did like three down here. One in one was in St. Uh, the Buck Stadium, St. Raymond's Stadium. One, one was in Miami, and I forgot where the hell the other one was. I think it was two in Miami. It was all right. It was fun. Okay. Back then. I have, I've been, I only I signed up for a Tough Mudder a couple of years back, but my friend flagged on me, so I didn't want to go by myself, so I didn't end up going. It's just an, it's just an excuse for me not to do cardio because anybody that knows me, like, it's very hard for me to go. It'd be like, hey, man, let's go run. It's, I have to really put myself in the mindset to go run. Yeah. Um, I know people, my mom, like, is a marathon runner. She runs, like, you know, 5Ks, like, easy. She just did her full, first full, like, marathon before, like, 50 years old. She's, like, 40. She's 48 right now and she did her first full marathon so she loves cardio she's very like she could leave me in the dust you know and yeah. my mom's not a big person she's very small but she's a tank man she can she's resilient as hell um anyways so <laughs> we got off like on a good conversation tangent i love it um we didn't really have so much structure for this episode but sometimes it's just good just to kind of just vent and talk about what we're thinking right so I wanted to kind of, do, we wanted to go ahead and make another Q&A. We got some questions uh, from our Instagram. If you don't follow us right now, go follow them at the Next Level Show on Instagram. We post a couple posts for Q&As. Any question on any topic, it doesn't have to be strictly fitness. Like it doesn't have to be about macros or a question that revolves with good discussion um, would be awesome for us to kind of cover on here. And we love it. Just make it, we can make it fun for everyone. But we got a couple questions this week. Um, and I also had some questions that were asked to me on my page and also I had a question from a client that I really wanted to bring up. Well, that was based on my, my social media, but the first question, you guys ready? Yes. All right. Oh, yeah. So the first question is from a good friend of ours. His Instagram is K clutch 1911. How should, how long should my workouts be? That's kind of a good question. It kind of even, um, we can kind of go circle back to what you were talking about earlier with your shoulder workout that you did um, yesterday, right, John? Because that's an example of one not needing to be, you know, forever long, right? Some, sometimes people think like you got to be in the gym for an hour, two hours, and can you? You can, right? But um, it's not necessary. I think uh, 
a good workout can, can range anywhere from as little as 20 minutes to as much as um, hour, hour 15, depending on the amount of time you have, depending on the, um, the program that you're following. So I train um, at work. I train during lunch. So I have about like uh, 50 minutes or so. And I have a, a I can, I get a, a really good workout. Since I'm training for 50 minutes, I go um, Monday through Friday. So that's, that type of um, volume is pretty good for me. Now, within those 50 minutes, I probably, you know, prime where I get myself ready for my workout for about like five to eight minutes or so. And then I get into my workouts. I go into my main lifts. I, I guess, like I said, I, I lift primarily full body. So I go into a, a compound movement, um, a complementary movement for that, another compound movement, complementary movement for that, and maybe one more. So probably like four to five movements total. And then I'm done. I don't really need to, to, to do much more outside of that. I do very little isolation because of, because of that. And I'm perfectly fine with that. But um, it, it can totally range. Um, you had a great workout for what, what was that, like 10, 20 minutes? Right, um, like you can, minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then you can make it even, even smaller. Like, let's just say you don't have a full hour. You can do um, a bunch of mini workouts, right? So that workout that you did, John, you can do that. Maybe do just two of those circuits, right? But do them three times during the day. And you would be just as, just as amazing or even more so, right? What do you think? I agree. Mike? Yeah, I would. Hi, Bailey. I would, uh, I, I would actually answer this question to the, to the client that asks me, um, because I know the intention behind the, the question. You know, how long do I need to work out to, to, to lose weight or burn fat or, or, or build muscle even? Um, and I would say it honestly depends on the person and the goal, but I always like to take it in a, in a progressive approach so when you first start out working out you're you're probably not going to be able to work out for very long um so at that or, point or not, not that you can't work out for money before you don't need to you, you don't need, need to. to yeah okay that's a better way to say it. you don't need to work out for very long or um you know as you progress you're you're able to handle more so then your workouts naturally become longer it's almost like you you want them to become longer because you you can do more you know if we're starting out and all you can really do is a couple body weight squats eventually you're going to get to the point where there's a bar on your back and you're trying to push the limits to your strength. And therefore you're resting three to five minutes between sets. That's naturally going to lengthen the amount of time that you're working out. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I literally, I would say it depends on where you're at with your current workout routine and then the amount of time that you have available. You know, if, if you have, a super hectic lifestyle and you only have 20 or 30 minutes to work out, then, you know, don't feel like you, you absolutely have to get an hour workout in or, or nothing's going to happen. If, if all you have is 20 or 30 minutes, then that's how long your workout should last. No, I love that. I mean, it truly just depends. There's not a definitive answer. And I know, like, I know this person that's asking, he's not a beginner by any means, but it depends on the person. Like you said, it's that it's asking, you know, a workout, you know, it should take, it depends on the goal, first and foremost, and it depends on realistic how much time do you have the listener? Do you have a full hour to give for a workout? If you do, great. Do you have only 30 minutes, maybe twice or three times a week, then we you create a workout that's going to be um, effective during that amount of time. Now, like I said, if you're a complete beginner, 
then 30 minutes is usually a good amount by you performing maybe two to three movements that are that matter. I'm not saying just go do a bunch of isolation. Don't, don't start with curls. Yeah, just don't do like 30 minutes of curls. I mean, if you're doing, if you're learning, if you're a beginner, and I have clients that uh, have a lot of clients that started off at 30 minutes and they did phenomenal. It doesn't, it doesn't take much. Now it just, now if you're, once you're getting more advanced and you're someone that's really just trying to make moves with your physique or you're following a particular program or you're trying to uh, train in a, in a certain demographic. Let me find this. Did you guys hear that? Yes. Okay. Nope. Totally didn't hear your phone ring. <laughs> um, it's, it's been like hectic with my phone today. Um, but what was I saying? Oh yeah. So like if you're someone that's more advanced, like when I started competing, my, my workout started increasing to about, I want to say 90 minutes to possibly two hours of training to just the amount of volume I could built up to. If you're, I know the power lifters train for a very long time just because their rest periods are very long and their focus is to, to really get really, really strong. So there are exceptions where they are over an hour of working out and it's okay. But I, for the average person, normally about 60 minutes or less, usually 45 minutes is that sweet spot. I feel for a lot of people and you can, you can do, you can do so much in amount that amount of time. Now, like I said, if you're, it depends on your goal. If you, or if you, if you're honestly a super busy individual, you have to be under, you have to be honest with yourself and it's something is always going to be better than nothing. I love Gabe's example of just doing more mini workouts throughout the day, especially being at home during this time. This is a perfect time to do that. Just do maybe three uh, 20 minute workouts or less just short workouts, not super intense, just a, just a little bit to get a little bit of a pump or a sweat going, but it shouldn't be overwhelming and do those mini workouts and the body does very well with that. But even if it's only 20 minutes in a day and that's all you have, trust me, it's better than zero minutes a day. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so I gave an example earlier of my typical week or how I structure my, 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 my training during the week, right? When I'm working or when everything's back to normal. However, I have had um, times where I needed to adjust that. Like um, I'm going to, to the gym. Oh, I get a notification. I have a meeting in like, you know, soon where I only, I'm only going to get like 30 minutes to train. Then I say to myself, 30 minutes or 20 minutes, really? What's the point? I should just turn around and just come back, go right back inside, right? But 20 or 30 minutes is better than nothing. So I just go in there and I just do like um, my two compound movements. And that's about it. So I have had times where I need to adjust it. And again, conversely, there are other times where, for instance, during the summer at my job, we have um, summer hours on Friday, we get out a little bit early. So I get, um, I get plenty of time, almost damn near open time in order to do whatever I want. So on those days, there have been times where I stay there for about like hour and a half even or so, right? And then what I do is I do things like, okay, I always neglected this, or let me just put a little bit more time or, or a little bit more emphasis on this, or let me um, do a, a, a proper cool down, which sometimes I, I mean, like I usually do neglect based on my, uh, the time that I have. So it, it, it all goes down to like, you know, like you guys mentioned, what is your goal? What is your intention? Uh, what is your experience level? And um, how much time do you have? And then you can accommodate or, or, or change it up and don't feel like if you only have, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, that it's, that it's pointless. You know, something is better than nothing, Absolutely. right? Uh, so don't, don't think, don't think uh, that you'll be wasting your time. 
um, you'll get benefits, you'll get progress from doing just about anything. 10, 10 to 15 minutes is enough to, to do a four sets of squats, four sets of deadlifts. I mean, that's, that's more than enough to do something. Yeah. And then, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say that going to what you said, John, of how like a powerlifter's training is pretty lengthy. Back when I used to train with them, you know, I used to get to, to this dude's house at seven o'clock and we used to train for like two hours and doing just uh, three types of squat, like a regular squat, I think um, a, a, a narrow stance and pause squats. And that's really it. But it's, it's because of all the, the rest periods that we had in between. So it was, um, uh, you can get an effective workout in, in, in whatever. That sounds so painful. It, it, you know what it is, but it was so, it was really, really good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many benefits. There's never going to be one good, one best way for everyone. It just depends truly on your lifestyle. Currently what you can adhere to most importantly is what can you stick to is going to be the most optimal for you. Now, if time opens up in your schedule or you are, you know, manipulating your schedule or you have more time and you want to increase the amount of days, you increase the amount of time, totally doable. But if you have very minimal time, it's still, uh, it's still amazing. It's still better than zero. So I think that it just truly evaluate what you're doing, stick to it um, and have fun with it, make it enjoyable and do stuff that matters where you're getting those benefits. Um, and it just, like I said, life's going to happen, but you just adjust and adapt. Like right now I'm not doing crazy long workouts. I don't have the attention span right now to do an hour workout at home just with weights. So I do many short ones and that's how I've been going about my, my quarantine workouts, hashtag quarantine workouts. Um, the next question we have is from Ola Lace. I don't know why I sound so like American when I speak and Ola Lace. <laughs> that's, that's more and more my normal tone. Ola Lacey. Uh, uh, is it Lacey? It is Lacey. All right. Hola, Lacey. Um, how can I calculate how many calories I should eat to maintain my current weight? I love this question. Want to go first, Mike, since you love it so much? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the literal answer in the sense that there are equations that you can use to input your information. You can do the website route that you literally just go through and fill this stuff out. Um, if you want a really good one on the internet, um, Google search uh, Lane Norton uh, calorie calculator, and that'll give you a very comprehensive um, checklist to go through. And it's very thorough, and that'll spit out a number at you, taking lifestyle, uh, body type, body composition, all that. Um, but there are also equations that I have prepared that are pretty lengthy and uh, boring, but can be effective. So there's one that you can use if you are obese, which um, takes less into account. If you use the wrong equation, depending on your lifestyle and your body type, you'll get a grossly incorrect uh, number because your body composition uh, kind of skews those numbers a little bit. But if you are obese, this is a woman, so I'll give you the woman's equation. Um, you would take the number 447.593 and you would add that to 9.247 multiplied by your body weight in kilograms. You would then add your height in centimeters times 3.098 and then you would subtract your age times 4.330 and that would give you your BMR or your uh, calorie needs. And if you are not obese, then the equation would be 
13.587 times your lean body mass in kilograms, and that would be your total weight minus your fat mass if you have the means to measure your body fat percentage. You would add that number to your fat mass in kilograms times 9.613. And then this one is variable depending on whether or not you're a man or a woman. You take 198, you multiply that by one if you're a man or zero if you're a woman. And then you subtract your age times 3.351 and add 674. And that gives you your BMR for an average person, not obese. So that would be the math answer. Um, Such a professor, dude. <laughs> uh, God, I felt like I just like that. Professor Mike for nothing. I know. This is Dr. X. <laughs> Gabe, how would you find someone else's uh, someone's maintenance calories? Uh, well, I, I like those, and those are a great starting point. Um, each individual is going to be totally different, right? So you can have yes. two people with the same exact um, stats, but look vastly different. Um, so what I would probably say is, uh, one, how we've been advocating for quite some time of tracking calories, right? You, you would track, okay, I'm eating X amount. Um, and what you would want to pair that with is um, weigh-ins, right? So I would weigh in in the morning. Uh, that's what I would advise people to, to weigh themselves in the morning when there's no um, other outside factors, such as, you know, uh, you weigh this much because you just had a, a big lunch or you have a whole bunch of water in your system. And it's also pretty consistent, right? Um, so I would probably say uh, weigh yourself every day, pair that with um, your how you've been tracking your calories. And we would want to maintain that same weight every time you weigh in, right? And then get your calories. Okay, I've been eating X amount of calories and I've been maintaining X amount of weight. Um, and there, there, there you go. Um, I really don't like giving people numbers like for instance, uh, 2000 or 1500 or 2500 or anything, because again, every body is totally different. And that would be a disservice to them because um, the person that I say, okay, you eat um, 2500 calories, if they've been eating 15, that's a pretty big jump for them. And their body will react just as drastic to that um, calorie increase that I just prescribed. So it's um uh, I I like um that route that you, that you said Mike because it kind of gives people like a good uh, direction, but um if I'm able to work with them a little bit more if I'm able to ask probe some more questions, um and have some time, um before we get to a calorie um, goal then I would probably say to to do the the tracking and the weighing and see where we go from there. What do you think, awesome. John? No, I think that both of your guys' answers were spot on. I think that Mike gave an amazing amount of different different routes that you can take depending on you. And if you're someone, go re uh, rewind that, take out a pen and paper. And I know it's a lot of math, um, it, but you can easily simply just Google an equation for calculating your maintenance calories. And there's going to be tons of them that are going to pop out, tons of articles and everything. What I have done throughout the last couple of years, and I know you guys are going to already know where I'm going with this, is Gabe gave an example of how he does it, but I do it a little bit different, is if I have a client that's starting out with me, we get their initial weigh-in, and what we'll do is that I, I like to give the person the least amount of tasks as possible just to make the the process as simple and doable as possible because I, I care more is about adherence because there, there are calculators that are better that are worse that are more spot on 
I don't think any of them are accurate though. They're never going to depict the exact amount because there is no exact amount for anyone. So what I like to do, if you're starting out with me, start for minimum, a minimum of seven days. I want you to track all throughout the weekend, through the week and through the weekend. I want you to track everything you eat, everything you put in your mouth. If you snack, track it. If you have a beer or something, track it. If you go about your normal, normal life, like you, like you normally would without changing anything, don't try to impress me. Uh, based on your initial weight that you have, you save that track that for about seven days until you get to the following week. And then you're going to weigh in again. I want you've collected all that data. And if I, I don't, I don't want to see more than maybe a pound or so of difference between the weight that you initially had. Um, and then what we're going to do is that once you have all those inf all that information that you tracked, all those calories, doesn't matter if you have had some low days or some high days, just go about your normal habit. We're going to add all those numbers, those seven days, you're going to add them all and you're going to get a total. And once you get that total, you're going to divide that total number by seven, by the seven days that you track. And this is where you're going to get roughly an average. Now that average number should put you at approximately where you normally are. This is, in, this is taken into account the days that you go out on the weekends that you may overconsume consistently. You, you eat like that on the weekends and maybe have a, maybe a couple low days that you're like, wow, I'm just not eating that much. But what it's going to show you is that your, your weak habits, what does that look like? And then we can get a more accurate depiction of what is happening in your current lifestyle right now. And then from there, I, that's roughly quote unquote your maintenance. And then I build upon that. And then we kind of, we decide what direction we're going. And then we start cleaning up your diet from there. That's how I've done it. I, I love doing equations for me. Like I'll, I'll sometimes do it for myself, but I'll even do the route that I take a client. I'll just track what I'm doing right now and seeing where I'm slacking, where I'm dropping the ball. What I found about this way, because they're the way that the, the options that they suggested are not wrong by any means. But what I found most advantageous with this route is you're able to be more accurate with what you currently are doing, what your habits are. And, and the surprising part about this is that it, you don't need to make a drastic change to your diet. You just make one variable, you move one variable in that whole, that whole average, and you start seeing your body responding very well for the most part. And that's been my experience. And it's one thing that I've, I've really, really liked to apply in the last couple of years. And I've had a little bit more success going that route with my clients because sometimes what I used to do was give them the equation and then the number would be based on their, their information. But what I would find is that it would be very challenging for someone to go from eating X amount consistently and then jumping up like 700 calories because that's what their maintenance is supposed to be at but they have not trained their body there. So it's, a, it's, it's almost like you're putting them in a slight surplus. And um, that's what I've like, that's the route that I used to take with my clients. Yeah, I think, uh, I think using the equations is great for some people and it's disastrous for others. I, I like to implement it and I definitely wanted to give that answer because there are equations out there that you can use and those are ones that I've actually used for myself and for people that, that seem to be pretty close. But it, the way that Jonathan and Gabe explained it is definitely the right way. No matter what you do, you have to be patient with yourself and you have to be honest with the amount of food that you're actually eating. And the more accurate that you can be with those, um, the, the more accurate your, your measurements will become. 
And you also need to keep in mind that your metabolism is constantly changing. If, if you're somebody that just lost 50 pounds, that number that you used in calories to lose those 50 pounds is no longer going to work for you. Um, your, your metabolism is, a, is going to adapt to it. That's exactly what it's supposed to be doing. And it's, it's going to be in a constant state of change. So you, it's better to get into the habit of being aware of what you're eating and how many calories you're consuming, paying attention to the scale and being mindful of, of all of these variables so that you, you have the tools needed to, to keep your body changing in the way that you want it to. Otherwise, you're just going to hit that plateau, get frustrated, and then go on a binge or say, screw it and just give up or all these other negative things that, that happen when, uh, when the plateaus happen. Um, there was another point that I wanted to make, but it just escaped me. I'll put the, uh, the calculators that I listed in the description for anybody that would like to use those. But I wanted to add, I wanted to add to your, to your thing, Mike, because it's not inherently that we are right in that way that you showed is incorrect. It's actually nor it's, it's actually a good, a good option for someone that just kind of wants to know fast, roughly where they should be. Now, yeah. if you notice that you, it's very hard to say, like you start just gaining, uh, you start noticing your, the weight starting to increase because you're eating a lot more than, than you, than it says to like, you're, it's not, you're just not used to eating that much food, which is very common. I've heard this because most gyms, most boot camps, most things, they just take your information and they give you a rough estimate of what your BMR, your basal metabolic rate is at, how many calories you should be at maintenance and all that factoring lifestyle, whatever. Um, but what I would say, if you use a, an equation or using any type of calculator, if you notice that it's not, it's not working for you, then it just gives you, it just, all it did was give you a ballpark estimate of where you should be. Normally they're pretty accurate, but then what you can do is start kind of scaling it back to kind of mold and go towards the goal that you're going towards. That's it. I mean, it's just going to shoot you in a direction. The way I like to, for my clients to learn during the process. So that's why I love the self-tracking for a couple of days, seven to 14 days is usually what I'll do. Um, and that way I can show the client what is happening where they're really at, where they thought they were, where they truly are based on the information. And we start making adjustments to their calories there. And it sounds, I mean, when, once you tell somebody that they need to track their food, you know, it sounds like, oh, it's so daunting and it's just so crazy and it's going to take so much time. It really, it's, it's gotten a hell of a lot easier nowadays with these apps because a lot of times you can just either one scan the barcode on the back or just enter, you know, um, uh, a brief description and a whole bunch of things will pop up and will it be the exact one like if i put in there um you know uh costco rotisserie chicken you know is it going to be the exact one i mean no but it'll be pretty close i mean the difference between that one and the actual one will be very 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 small um but it'll give you like what you guys were just saying like you know a good ballpark or kind of get you in uh, on the right page at least um, to where, uh, where you should be, where you are and where you want to go. So it's, it's really not that, uh, not that crazy. Yeah, like, no, I, I, uh, I have, I have a, a kind of funny story. Maybe you guys have had this experience with a client, but, uh, I, I had a client that just signed up with me. I wanted him to take Jonathan's approach, which I, I do with my clients as well. And, uh, you know, track for seven days, seven days go by it's Monday again. And we sit down at this little table at my gym and, he pulls out these pieces of paper 
with literally everything that he had eaten over the last week. He hand wrote every single one of them. He wrote down the calories, the fat, the protein, wow. the carbs. He went into sodium. He took all the notes. And I was like, dude, like, okay. You know, sat down, evaluated it, went over everything. Um, and then at the very end of it, I was like, by the way, try using an app. And I pulled out my phone and I showed him my fitness pal. And he kind of looked at me and he, he like chuckled. He was like, you know, this seems a lot easier. It's like, yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the route where I had someone that they, same thing, that they hand wrote everything, but no macros, no nothing. They just said breakfast, a piece of toast and something and whatever. So we entered them in um, together just to kind of get what they, what they want. I thought you that's know, the route that you're going for. Honestly, I think that would still that would still work for me because it shows that they took yeah. the time out of their day oh, absolutely, and, and they're making the adjustment and they, it, that had to have been a pain in the ass. So I know mm -hmm. they really want it at that point, you know? No, no. It's, I think that it's like important. Like even if you don't necessarily track in an app, you just don't want to do it. Maybe you want to handwrite it. It's whatever, you know, even if you don't go in depth with sodium and I don't have to do that extreme. It's just having some type of awareness is going to give you a much clearer understanding of where you're currently at. And then from there, if you want to lose weight, you want to scale back those calories, 250 to 500 calories will put you roughly in a deficit. And if you want to gain weight, it'd be the opposite, 250 to 500 calories more to increase your body weight. And you're obviously we're aiming for muscle in most cases, but it's just, it's literally all these options we wanted to give you just so you can pick one. If you're the listener um, and just want to try one of them go for it. I mean, it's, it's just about anything that will get you started because there's not one way to do it, but this is from our experience, what has worked well with our clients and the people that we have worked with. Um, the other question I had wasn't on the Instagram page, but it was um, based on a conversation I was having with a client. They just randomly asked me and I love when my clients ask me questions and they, some of them say sorry for asking, but I hate when they say sorry because it's, it's I love when someone asks because I feel like they're trying they care to learn and it's just an opportunity for them to get better. And the question that they ask, which is a very common question is how long does it take to get rid of arm fat or how long does it take to get rid of X fat on my body? Like X body, like is it on my stomach or your legs? I know everyone at one point, you know, has asked, like has thought this. I even have thought this about, let's say my, my love handles, because usually I'll store fat is more on my lower back. So I'm like, well, how long does it take to get rid of this dude? Like, and this is not because I was in a rush necessarily, but it, it's, it, there's always that question is how do you get rid of fat from a certain area of your body that you may not be happy with? And the truth of the matter is, is that if, you know, this is a good question just to kind of finish off with, but there is no such thing as spot reduction. There is nothing that you can do to accelerate the process of, you know, losing fat in a particular area. And then kind of what I want to leave off my end is I, that's why I see a lot of women or dudes use waist trainers or these sweat wraps on oh, certain body parts. And everyone knows that, or you have been someone that has tried it because the, the, the marketing pitch is that you're going to burn more fat in that area. What's going to happen just to kind of clear it up. It doesn't melt necessarily fat in a targeted area. What will happen is that you will sweat more in that area and possibly you'll feel like it looks a little smaller because you've released a lot of water. But the, the minute that you go and just hydrate again, it will go, the water cells will fill up and it will go right back to where it was because it doesn't work that way. Boys? 
Mike, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and just outright say it. The only way to like specifically take fat off of one part of your body is liposuction. Um, it's, it's the awful answer, but it's, it's true. I, I wish that as a trainer, I could have my client and, you know, do this exercise and lose the fat off of her arms or off of her love handles. That would make me a great coach and it would get me more clients, but it's just not the way it works. Um, it, it's a matter of patience. That's, that's my sarcastic, not sarcastic answer to any of my, any of my clients that ask me something like this. You just have to be patient and be conscious of what you're eating exercise, you know, three times a week, maybe, and wait for it to happen. And also keep in mind that everybody's body kind of stores fat in a way that is specific to you. For me, my, the last little bit of my body fat is stored right below my belly button, right where those bottom two abs are supposed to be. And it, it is infuriating. I, there, and there's nothing I can really do about it except be more patient than I already was to get to six and a half percent. But it, it's, a, it's a matter of just being patient and possibly not even getting exactly what you want. You know, you can improve some areas, but not ever get it like perfect. And you just have to be okay with that. You know, be proud of the accomplishments that you, that you have achieved. Yeah, I had, um, I had a client who was, um, had the exact same question and um, gave him the exact same answer that you guys did. Um, this is uh, something that we need to be patient with. We, if we want to lose fat in this area, we need to lose fat everywhere. And doing so would be in a calorie deficit, right? For, um, for, for a bit, we need to have patience. But um, while you are right that we can't... We need patience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while uh, while there is no way that we can spot reduce, but what we can do is spot build to help um, change how the the that area is. Like for instance, in in the arm area, well, let's just start incorporating maybe just some more um, arm workouts. So some either for the triceps, uh, biceps to maybe to to give it more of like a tight a tighter look or feel. Right, and combine that with the um, the calorie deficit, we'll be able to to get into a better place. Or, and what I like to then the reason why I like to use that is because it kind of gives the the client more of um you know sense of okay something's happening, things are going, things are changing, things are working in my direction. Um, that they would it would give them hope, and it would give them um more patience as opposed to just playing the waiting game. It's like for instance, um, me, you know, if I'm you know, from probably like the top of my abs all the way up, you know, I look pretty awesome. Maybe like I'm close to, you know, Your traps 12. Look amazing. Exactly. Well, it looks like that for right now. But then if I stand all the way up, kind of like what you said, Mike, that's where I have like the most, uh, that's where I store all of my, 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 my body fat. Yeah. So if we were to look at just, it'd be funny, right? Because then if you take a picture of just like, uh, just right there, your midsection, mm -hmm. it, it tell like a totally different story. Right, so everyone is totally different. This is where I hold my my the most of mine. Um, I just need to be more patient or be more consistent with that because sometimes it's like, okay, let's 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 go for it. Let's go for it. Uh, fuck it. Let's just when go back I, to where it was. When I finally when I finally got to the point of when I competed, when I finally got yep. that paper skin body fat on my stomach where when I sat down there was no bend there was no like scrunch of skin it was a very tiny amount of skin and I've never seen my body get to the point where my veins from like my pelvic area into my stomach were very visible it was an extreme amount of body fat that was like you know that I lost and but I will say that that the last place that my body reduced 
like got rid of it was in my lower back. That's where I'll first store the weight, the body fat, and it's the last place that it will go away. It literally stayed there until the very end. Now, for most, like just for people to understand that it, your body loses fat wherever it wants to, you know, it doesn't, it literally doesn't where it wants to lose it on its own time and its preference because it's going to start prioritizing certain things and your body's just figuring stuff out. It's essentially eating away at its energy, its insurance policy. So your body is not wanting to do that. So you have to be patient, stick with the process just because it's not happening or it's not seeing you need to be like you're stuck or it's not, you're losing body fat essentially from other areas. And eventually, if you withstand the test of time, you will eventually tap into those fat stores. Now, there's been cases too where people have maybe gotten to a very low body fat, but they they still hold on. They're very low body fat, but they still have a little bit of maybe that lower abdominal fat where they're by their belly button. You may, if you're, if this is the case, you may have to go through multiple cutting cycles to eventually tap into that. And that is, that is normal. That's something that can happen as well. So if, if for an example, if you're someone that you go through your first cut and you get really lean and you, you've seen muscles that you've never seen, but there's, there's still a little bit there left. You can take a little bit of a break, go into a maintenance, go into a muscle building phase, take a little bit of a break from pushing the body, go back into it and push again. And then after maybe one or two tries to three tries, you eventually have gotten your body fat and you've finally tapped into that stubborn, stubborn body fat. And it just varies from person. There's the, there's depending. If you've been someone that cuts a lot and always in as a restrictive diet, I find that it's, it's going to be a little bit more challenging for you. So definitely incorporating a slower, more conservative diet approach when you're cutting is going to be easier for you to stick with, to wait it out because there is no exercise or magic pill or any supplement or any band or any strap or any piece of plastic wrap that is going to accelerate that process my advice and our advice to you is to stay patient don't get discouraged it's not it doesn't happen from one day to another like i said your body you're fighting your body's natural desire which is doesn't want to tap into its insurance policy it's like tapping into its savings you try not to touch into your savings if you don't have to your finances. So it's the same thing with your body. It's going to want to hold on, but like, you know, I, we could easily say pitch it on, yeah, you could do this and this, you can do more crunches. And like people do crunches to think that they're going to accelerate the app getting process. Focus on just working out normal, focus on your nutrition primarily with minimal cardio and just wait it out. Keep sticking to the process, make sure you're in a deficit and you will get there. Yeah. How um well you mentioned you know uh, uh, applying a couple of different kind of mini cuts, what would you um generally speaking what would you recommend for someone to stay on a how long would you recommend someone to stay on a on a calorie deficit is there a range that you give them depending on um their experience level in in cutting or in nutrition or in in fitness or you kind of keep- I, I look depends on their level of fitness but also depends on where they're at mentally. So if you're like, I know Mike, I could have, I pushed him longer than I normally would a normal person because Mike was, we were having good conversation. I knew his head was in the right place, but I also look at the person's mindset and and mental health when it comes to that, because it truly depends. Some people, I was able to push past on a very unnatural level. um, But because I was in the, I knew what was, what we were trying to do. And I knew that it's not going to happen overnight. I was in a different mindset, a very competitive advanced mindset when it came to dieting extreme and pushing past my natural 
my natural body's desire. Um, but you'll be surprised that you can look impressively different while you're focusing on strength building and building muscle. Your body will start to look very, very different. And you don't have to go to the extreme to get there. It's just, like I said, it's not, a, it's, there's no easy way of doing it. There's no exercise that's going to melt fat. And, I, and it's all marketing terms. So it's a calorie deficit, nutrient deficit. You want to be in a slight deficit, weight it out, and it takes a fuck ton of time. <laughs> yeah. So, and probably uh, for, for someone to be in a cut for a longer period of time, a longer period of time, they would need to be in a pretty um, high calorie from the start, right? Like for instance, you wouldn't take someone at a 2,000 yes. calorie, you know, maintenance all the way down to like a thousand, right? Like I'm sure for you, John, when you started your cut, your long cut, you weren't at two or 25. You were probably at like, what, three, four even? I was, I was close to three. Yeah. I was like 32, yeah. 3,029 around there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I was literally just about to go into a little anecdote. We've covered my whole experience with 4,000 calories and that's exactly uh, kind of the, the goal of, of why I went that high was I just wanted to do just a a dirty, dirty cut for a super long time and, and building up to 4,000 calories gave me that wiggle room to just keep subtracting and keep subtracting and keep subtracting. And then I hit that point where it's like, you know, this is, this is enough. And I honestly found for myself, you may find this for yourself as well, that getting down to that low of body fat percentage and kind of seeing what it takes, it was really cool. It, it made for some great pictures. I felt great for a certain period of time, but Ultimately, it, it didn't end up being that worth it to me. Um, I found that I'm actually happier, you know, at a much more reasonable spot. And that kind of changed the way I looked at the whole situation. I think doesn't. that you have, to, you, you have to go through that period of challenging yourself mentally to find that balance. And it's almost like it's like a little bit different than I wanted to like go with it. But I think it's you have to live unbalanced for X amount of time to truly find where your balance is. And that's what I think that all of us that have challenged ourselves in this room or not in this room, but on this, on this podcast, um, we're quarantining guys. We're not together. This virtual um, room. It's the virtual room. Like it's you, we've all pushed to an extreme because we loved it so much and we wanted to challenge our limits, but now we find that balance that we don't need to be at super, extreme amount of body fat so it's you go through that i encourage you go through that journey figure out where your limits are at and and push yourself and challenge and learn and then you will find that balance where that healthy range of body fat where you like to do and maintain and that's you only find that out by just pushing your limits sometimes for a bit is that yes. i think that i think we covered well those three questions yes yeah absolutely Alrighty. well I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please subscribe. And if you're new, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. I want to kind of preface right there because I know a lot of people, uh, some, someone has asked me that, like, how do you leave a review? Because I think they're already subscribed. So if you're, you would have to go into the search of the podcast. Again, even if you are currently subscribed, search the podcast and then you scroll down and it'll give you the option. If it's not showing up, if you're currently already subscribed and it's not giving you the option to do so, 
search the podcast if you're searching it brand spanking new like even if you are subscribed that way you can leave us a five-star rating review if the people that already have thank you so much we appreciate you know the support it's making us trend very well on the on the podcast uh analytics and those are things that obviously are going to keep allowing us to help more and more people. If you don't already, like I said, follow our Instagram page at the next level show. You can follow my personal page at John Alva seven, uh, Gabe at prime and glory and Mike at Mike Nellis PT.